pride of Limerick. A young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Severe MMA Podcast. It's episode 180 and with Graham away over shilling for Conor McGregor in Las Vegas, I've decided to to bring in an old favourite of the Severe MMA Podcast, a good old friend, a man we haven't seen around much because he's not on Twitter anymore, Jeremy Botter. Jeremy, how are you? I'm great, actually. It's like, it's like the whole being on Twitter thing, um, or not being on Twitter thing, has actually made me great. Uh, but the, um, the unfortunate thing is, is that nobody knows it because I'm not sharing my wisdom with the world on a daily basis anymore. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate for everyone. How, how's it going though? How, how have you felt the difference? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about doing it like a bit. I don't, I'm obviously not going to go off at it full time, but taking a couple of weeks off maybe or something. How's it treating you? Yeah, man, it's good. Like it's just after the, the first couple of weeks, probably the first three weeks were pretty hard uh, just because like <clears throat> there are things that are going on. The, the feeling that you get is that there are things that are going on in the world and you don't know about them. Yeah. Um, and it's a weird feeling at first. Cause like, you know, you, I'm used to being able to just pull up my phone whenever I'm bored and see what's going on in the world. And <clears throat> uh, you know, I don't have that option anymore, but then once you realize, well, that stuff will still happen and I can check the news later today and it will still be the same. Um, you know, it, once I got over that initial hump, it was fine. And now, man, I got to be honest, dude, I don't miss it. I don't miss it one bit. Now, I thought about going back after like six weeks, but no, I mean, I, I don't think I'm, I think I'm probably never going to go back at this point. Do you not miss my hilarious jokes and my brilliant commentary on MMA and stuff like? Uh, no, no, it, I don't what? miss them. Um, no, I don't miss them. I mean, you know, we should probably let people in on the fact well, you know, are we are we work, are we are we keeping kayfabe here? No, go on, you can, you can break the fort wall, no problem. Okay, well, I mean, look, I mean, you know, for those who are actually listening to this, the three of you who actually listen to this podcast, yeah. Sean and I are actually Sean and I are actually pretty good friends, and and so I still get his hilarious jokes and his uh, thoughts on life and MMA, but I just don't get it with the rest of you. So it kind of makes me special in a way. It, it does, in fairness. About it. <laughs> you get the yeah. inside jokes as well that the other people might, that might be right. unfit right. for Twitter. So, uh, like all the jokes that we make about Graham yeah. going off and slobbing Conor McGregor. Yeah, uh, you know, exactly. I mean, it's, here we are again. He really is again. the worst. He really is the worst. And I suppose bringing, uh, bringing these things together. This week has kind of been like I, I and I tweeted out and I know you wouldn't have seen it. It's like MMA came out of its hiatus this week. It's like MMA for the last year or so has just been kind of waiting and hibernating for McGregor to come back and for John Jones to come back and for uh, these big fights to emerge, for Brock Lesnar to come back and all. And it's kind of changed this week. How, like, have you kind of got more excited about MMA in the last week? Has your like anticipation levels risen for what's coming up over the next while? Because it's kind of been a boring few months, isn't it? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, look, dude, I'm, I'm excited for... McGregor and Khabib the fight, but what I'm not excited is for more shit like that press conference. Yeah. Oh my god! Like, I mean, I I think maybe it would have been, I think it would have been different if there had been fans there, and I don't understand why they they did not let fans in because, uh, you know, I mean, the media is not going to cheer and whoop and holler and get drunk and ask stupid questions. I mean, well, some of them might, but yeah. <laughs> um, with without me there, there's no telling for sure that that's going to happen. Uh, but you know, it, it's just, it's quiet. And, and McGregor's, um, let's just say energy, energy drink fueled, uh, little outburst like he had during that press conference. It just don't work without an audience, like a, a willing audience, yeah. you know? And so I was watching that at home and I was like, Oh, this is cringeworthy. Like I could, I could go for it. Just give me the fight. I don't want to see this anymore. Like, I don't want to see any of this, any of these press conferences. I don't want to see anything like this anymore because it's, it's just, it's embarrassing. Maybe it's just because I've been away from the little bubble for a little bit, but <clears throat> I did not like that. But, and also I did not like, I mean, John Jones, how in the hell is he back already? Mm-hmm. Seriously. Oh God. Oh, <laughs> we get into that. We'll save that one. We'll save that one. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll talk about this press conference for us. Today. We get yeah, so maybe I'm not, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not that excited. Uh, I'm excited for the fights that are going to result from it. But mm-hmm. once again, it was a week where MMA just kind of showed its ass. Like it's like, 
this is the best MMA has to offer, and it makes you cringe. Yeah, which is fine. That's what MMA is. We all know that. It it is fair. Like this, we did a, a breaking news podcast over on Patreon about the uh, about the press conference, and I kind of had the same feelings you. I thought the first kind of half of it, it like a, a few people, Patrick said, it, and a few more people said it. It was like uh, you know, it was like the Big Bang Theory without the laugh track or something. It just it didn't make any sense. Like it was just it was weird when Habib started kind of calm back at McGregor, and at least it turned into a bit of an argument in, and it wasn't too bad, but. It, it was weird. The fact that they had no fans there, I think Dana White... I don't know what Dana White's worried about fans. What did, what have the fans ever done? Like, what have Irish fans ever done, really, that caused anything... Uh, there's obviously been incidents and everything, but, like, has there been anything really... It's McGregor that's the one that's causing the right. trouble, and he was there, so, right. like... Yeah, like, the, the fans are the ones that, are, that make that kind of stuff entertaining. Otherwise, it just comes off kind of sad. Like, yeah, McGregor's never... I mean, now, granted, look, he's up there drinking his whiskey and you know that's got to have some kind of special non-legal ingredients in it for him to be acting the way he acts sometimes but i mean like that you know that kind of stuff is what gets the fans riled up but the fans response is what makes it entertaining like you know when you have people yelling when you have just him up here him up there doing all that same stuff that he did on the world tour uh, press conference with Floyd Mayweather, but to an empty room. Mm-hmm. It's like in pro wrestling, like an empty arena match. You you know why they don't have those very often? Because they suck. Yeah. They're boring. It's the same concept here. Like it was just I don't know. And I'm not gonna say it was boring, but man, it was not. I did not think it was good. Yeah, that's that's kind of why the Ultimate Fighter is terrible, isn't it? Just like five people sat in yeah. the room. But the, the yeah. thing about the thing about this is like after McGregor press conferences, we always hear the same thing from you know because and maybe you don't hear it as much as I hear it because it's obviously he's very Irish centric. But we thought you know there's always oh this is WWE, this is all set up and everything. And we heard it again after this, but it, it, that doesn't really matter because those people don't have a clue what they're talking about. Like. To me, this felt like, you know, and, and I hate talking into this thing, but we're on a podcast and we have to start to talk about it. McGregor, like, he wasn't rattled, but he seemed a little bit madder. You know, a few, few people have asked him, we'll get to the questions later on. You know, is this the first time McGregor has been actually kind of emotionally in, invested in the fight? You know, he always talks about just bodies being in front of him and everything. This time he's talking about going in there to hurt Tabib and he's going to look forward to seeing his head on the canvas and all. Usually he's telling guys that his head is going to be on the canvas, but he doesn't say he's looking forward to the renting or, you know, it's, it's kind of more of a jokey thing this time it seems more serious from mcgregor this time doesn't it yeah i mean it does but who's to who's to say if like he didn't you know that floyd i think that floyd mayweather world tour was instructive for him Mm -hmm. in that the more ridiculous he got the more attention he got yeah and so i'm curious if that's like gonna be his new normal like i mean you know back in the day we st- even though he was making a shitload of money and was the biggest star, you know, in UFC history before that Mayweather fight, he was still acting somewhat like the Connor of old. Like he still had that respect, that martial arts respect built into him. But th- I think that he saw on that world tour just like the the dumber shit that he did. The dumber shit he did, the more attention he got. The more you know, the more press clippings there were, the more sports center highlights. Like, and so I think that, I think he learned a lot from that, unfortunately for the rest of us who just want to see the fight and who are intrigued by the South, you know, the, the style of the fight and then the matchup. Yeah. I still, I still think he was, he was way more natural in this than he was Jordan McGregor or the, the Mayweather thing. It's just like, you well, can't, yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. You just can't do it like five times in a week or whatever it was without it being, you know, terrible. And we, and we all kind of knew that fight was a farce anyway. Whereas this fight, and we'll talk about the fight next week, I suppose, because it's two weeks away, but this fight is a real fight. Let me, let me ask you another part about this. Right. We all like to, you know, the mar 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 and, the, you know, telling him he's calling him a rat and telling Habib he's going to die and everything. What about the, the whole the whole Kadarov stuff, the Ali Abdelaziz stuff, the, his father? Was, dude, to yeah. be honest, like, that just shows that as ridiculous as Conor McGregor gets on those press conferences, mm-hmm. um, he does not go into those things blind, yeah. right? Like, he does research that you and I, okay, well, that you would do. You know, if you were doing a story or, you know, just to be informed about this kind of like, that's the kind of stuff you do, you you know, the sociopolitical stuff and the geopolitical stuff, you do not expect a fight, an opponent to know. I mean, I, I would wager that, that Connor is probably the first of Khabib's opponents to actually look into Khabib's shady background and the whole network of people he has surrounding him that starts with Ali Abdelaziz, who is one of the worst people in this entire sport, Mm -hmm. you know, by a wide margin. Um, that's 
I think he's probably the first opponent to look into that. And dude, I mean, maybe it was just me, but I, I thought it kind of rattled Khabib. I, I know. I mean, I was sitting here at home and I went, oh shit. He actually went there. Yeah. The, t- the thing about Habib is, and I thought, you know, the Ali stuff, I, you know, we've kind of heard a little bit before, but when he said about his father going to Kadarov and he, you know, he, he said like, oh, he took a picture with him, stronger we were together, and then said if if he had his chance, he'd stick his ni- a knife in his back. And Habib picked up the microphone. He was going to reply, and he was like, no, and just put it down. So you, yeah. could, you could see, like, that was, you know, and... Your point about McGregor is great there because anyone I speak to about Graham and Graham are, are about McGregor, Graham about McGregor and Graham has said it before on this podcast. This guy he doesn't just study his fights and you you know you said it there he does this for everyone. This guy he reads every article, watches every video, knows everything about every fighter in this game. You know this is not just an act. You know we we heard that um, thing from George St. Pierre. Remember after the, the Hendricks fight that he was obsessed. That's what McGregor's like. McGregor's absolutely obsessed with the game. There's nobody more well informed than him and it it really it really did show you know in that press conference and especially the kind of the second half of it when he I, I wouldn't say he, ra- he rattled him a little bit because he kind of he quietened him I think is a good word at one stage because Habib really couldn't say anything uh, to that because you know he was he right. was kind of stuck in a corner but what did you think of Habib other than that you know I thought he for the first half of the game I thought he did well I thought he was relatively close to McGregor just kind of staying quiet and say we'll see on October 6th and stuff but then he kind of got drawn in and that helped McGregor out didn't it yeah and the problem is with Connor like there's not there may be one or two people in the entire sport who can get drawn into McGregor's type of like back and forth with those press conferences and actually and actually hang with them and the unfortunate thing is like neither one of them are in his weight you know None of them are in his weight class. I mean, you've got guys like Daniel Cormier, guys who are smart enough to go back and forth on stuff like that, who are well-informed, who who study the entire sport and not just, yeah, you know, learn a little bit about what their opponent might do in the actual fight. That, that's not what Connor does. And, um, you know, you know, you can tell that's not what Khabib does. Khabib did not have the ammunition to go into a gun battle with McGregor, especially when McGregor starts talking about caddy rod, like, I was stunned that I can't, I still can't believe he went there uh, mm-hmm. because that's one of those things in the sport where everybody knows it, but so few people talk about it. The mm-hmm. same thing with Ali Abdelaziz and all his background. You know, I mean, guys like Mike Russell have done a lot of research into him. You can go out there and read that stuff, but nobody brings that up. None of his opponent, you know, none of the guys he managed their opponents never bring it up. Um, and so I, you know, I was pretty stunned and, to be honest, I thought that was the most interesting part of the whole press conference. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I want to ask you this question because I'm, I'm pretty interested in it. You know, pe- people talk about... We, we've talked about Kadyrov and about all, loads of different you know parts of that before in the podcast, Ali Abdelaziz and, and everything. And I, I, I couldn't believe how many people at the weekend said they had never heard about it. And, you know, lo- Mike Russell got loads of followers and Kareem Zidane's great article. I think Kareem is one of the best in the world, you know, at what he does. Like, do you think there is a thing amongst MMA media to avoid this? You know, do you think, like... Oh, yeah, dude, for sure. I mean, because, look, like, you know, if you're one of the... I I don't like shitting on media people, so what I'll say is, like, you know, I mean, and I've been in the same position. If you work for a site, for a company, and your livelihood is dependent on regular access to athletes, not just through the UFC, but regular access to athletes through managers and whatnot, then you have a tendency to be to sweep that kind of stuff under the rug and focus mm-hmm. on other things. Maybe not to, well, yeah, to ignore it, but not maliciously so. Like, it's more like just there's so many other things that we can talk about. And so the end result there is that you get these stories uh, leading into every single fight that are always the same fucking story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, his camp was great. Uh, her camp was great. Uh, she's ready better prepared than she's ever been. He's better prepared than he's ever been. You know, you're going to see a whole new version of this guy. And they're all bullshit. It's the mm-hmm. same story every time. Nobody really, I mean, guys like Kareem, guys, there are guys who dig into, the, you know, this really shady side of MMA that actually comprises a pretty large portion of the sport, but just get swept under the rug because people are more interested in being part of the circus, yeah. you know? And I, again, I've been there. I've been there. I know the feeling. I'm I'm guilty of that as well. Like I have... I have worked for a company that was a content partner with the UFC and, you know, we ignored stories all the time. Am I proud of it? No, but it did happen, you know? So I can't really, I can't really shit on anybody for, for doing the same thing, for, for maintaining a livelihood. But the end result is fans don't get to hear a lot of stuff about, you know, guys like Ali Abdelaziz who are 
cancers on the sport, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. La- last thing on this, and, and McGregor and, and the media and stuff as well, and we'll break down the fight next week and talk about it, uh, you know, in great, uh, probably the whole podcast next week is going to be about uh, McGregor versus Habib. But I, I put out a tweet the other day, and it, there's there's been a few articles coming out in the mainstream media in Ireland especially and I'm sure there's there's a couple in, in America as well talking about McGregor and you know talking as I mentioned before is this WWE is MMA a sport you know is you know all oh, the children think of the children McGregor's a disgrace and all this like to me so, the, so essentially but, the same story the Irish mainstream media have been writing exactly for, for five years I googled okay. uh, this this guy Ewan McKenna who writes and he's you know he's entitled to write yeah. whatever he wants and I, I googled Ewan McKenna Conor McGregor and literally literally every six months the first four articles that came up were six months ago a year ago 18 months ago two years ago the same article just slightly different headlines exact same content every time yeah. it's like yeah. People are like people are being complete marks for this. Just like do, I'm not here giving out about the article. Let him write the article. But you, if you're an MMA fan, do not argue with this dude. Like he, you arguing with this dude, and you going reading this article is making him write it again in six months. All he's going to do is rehash this. He, he he doesn't have a real opinion on this. He doesn't care about no, Conor no, no. McGregor. He's just doing it so no. he, you know to to get clicks basically to get you know to you know, to be a shock jock. Yeah. Essentially what it is is he logs into his little rider dashboard there and sees that his, you know, his traffic is a little bit low lately. And like, God, what can I do? I'm going to write a fucking story about Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what happens, you know? And, and dude, I mean, I've, I, you, I have read a lot of those. I mean, American mainstream stories about Conor McGregor are bad, but the Irish mainstream stories mm-hmm. are, it's like he's Satan. Mm-hmm. It's like he's the devil himself. They are the absolute worst. They're the absolute worst. And you're right. Like, it keeps, I mean, I think I've, when did I come to Dublin? Like four years ago? I know you. I know you like to block out the you know Dublin trips from your mind, but I think it was about yeah, four years ago. Say, yeah. yeah, and I, you know, and I, I mean, I remember picking up a paper and reading it in the paper, like one of those kind of stories about Connor in the paper, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. None of this is true. The guy is just is a fighter. He is not the devil. Mm-hmm. But again, people eat it up and people argue with him, and so of course they're going to keep writing it, man. Like hey, once you have something that works, you're going to go back to the well. Mm-hmm. And like the the weirdest thing is, well, we always give out about sportsmen, and it's you know way worse in America even than it is here. But these cookie cutter answers, these you know PR people behind them telling them what to say, you know, like 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 Veep with your man talking into the the president's ear, just telling her exactly what to say, you know, and. What like Conor McGregor is who he is. You might not like him, fair enough. You might criticize him for that, but don't criticize him for being him. Like you, you know, we don't want Conor McGregor to go out there and say, "Yeah, I'm looking forward to this fight. Habib's going to be a tough uh, challenge. I'm looking forward to October sixth. It's going to be an exciting fight. I hope all of you turn." Like we don't want that. Why? Do, you know, yeah. we do not want that, do we? Yeah, like if if Conor started doing that. Uh, you know, like let's like let's say John Jones went out and like stopped doing cocaine and talked, to, you know, stopped talking about how he does cocaine. I mean, like that's that's the kind of stuff that makes the sport interesting. Mm-hmm. The rest of the, the I, you know, it's it's a light in the darkness while also being part of the darkness as well. If that yes. makes sense, like it's it's the stuff that makes the sport interesting. I mean, dude, one of the reasons that I'm so like I I'm not on Twitter is because it's because the same thing you see the same thing over and over again about yeah. every single fight. Mm-hmm. Every single every single fight card has the same stories, and I you know, and I started getting to where I was writing stuff that I was based like for a reaction, you know, mm-hmm. essentially like I would write something because I knew that the audience, you know, my readers or whoever would respond to it a certain way, or I would write something that I knew would be controversial because it would get clicks, like and and for me as as a as a media guy or whatever, like that that's not the way things should be, and it's it's getting off of that, getting off, getting out of that echo chamber has let me see. Like, hey, there are every literally everything in this sport is always the same, and that's how the UFC wants it. That's how Bellator wants it. Well, Bellator, they they tend to throw a wrench in proceedings occasionally, but I mean that's how the UFC wants it. But then you have a, it makes it all the more pronounced when you have somebody like Connor come along, somebody like John Jones, who when he's not being a you know fake full of shit dude is mm-hmm. actually really intriguing, mm-hmm. despite his flaws. Like his flaws are what makes him interesting. The same thing with Connor, like. those guys are interesting and anybody who thinks that that's a bad thing is frankly an idiot exactly good segue right let's talk about john jones if you've been living under rock people here uh john jones 
Do you have your dog there in the background? How dare you turn up to my podcast yeah. with a bl- yeah, barking dog in the background? How dare you? Anyway, let's go. Dude, uh, this happens all the time. It you does. Know yeah, I know. I know it happens all the time. Uh, John Jones got a 15-month suspension this week, which will be over in almost exactly a month from now, the 28th of October, uh, I believe it is. What happened was John Jones was given 30 months of his suspe- of his sentence suspended or taken. Suspended is the right word. By USADA for snitching basically let me get the exact phrase here it's called substantial assistance so that basically means he helps usada uh to catch people whether it be doctors coaches other fighters who have been involved with pds he helps them to to catch them right so that's the 30 months off then he got another three months off by richard mclaren who was the arbitrator in this case so that's it went from 48 months to 18 months to 15 months John Jones did not prove that he hadn't taken the drug which was found in his system. He didn't prove really anything. This um, the the press release and Richard McLaren basically said that they basically in in, in, not exact words, but said they didn't think John Jones was taking them. They thought he was a good guy. They thought he's shown retribution after after this incident. And to me, like I talked to Ian Kidd about it on, on Patreon. What do you think? This seems so... I don't know if fishy the right word, but weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's fishy and weird. And, like, you know, if you'd come to me two years ago and told me that John Jones would be the first guy to kind of turn narc for USADA, <laughs> I'd be just, like... Yes. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, that sounds about right, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, that sounds about... Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised by that at all. Like, that does not surprise me. Dude, and what's funny to me, the funniest part of this whole thing is... Dana White says that, you know, the science backs it yeah, up. Yeah, what? There's no fucking science. There's none. There's no science. There's literally none. They they let him off because they felt like he was telling the truth, which if they felt like he was telling the truth, they have no experience with John Jones whatsoever. And then number two, the fact that he's John Jones. Like, that's the main reason he got let off. Like, come back so early. There's no science that support. What fucking science? Like that's just one of those things that where we're just saying whatever, like Ben and Ben folks and Chad Dunn to say just saying stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. There's no truth to it. He's just saying stuff. Yeah. Like if that had been anybody, literally anybody, but like John Jones, Conor McGregor, somebody, one of those top tier stars, they would have been suspended for at least two years and probably three. Yeah. Like, and and the thing as well, Ian Kid tweeted out and Malky Kawa called him fake news and he said just wait and see. Basically, this you know this is uh, I think it's a dinner, or, uh, article. 10.6.1, the substantial uh, assistance article in the USADA rules. And basically, the, the, the two parts of that are, you either hand someone over to USADA and show them what they've been doing, or you hand someone over that can, you know, can uh, criminal or disciplinary body discovery can be brought forward against them. So the, those are the two things. It's one of the two of them, like, you know, he's handing someone over, yeah. whatever. So I don't know what Malky Ka was saying. You know, I, I don't understand. No, he literally turned, he turned state's <laughs> evidence. Yeah. Like that's it's the exact same stuff that's happening with President Trump here. So he flipped on somebody. Yeah, and of course he did because of course John Jones would do that. The, yeah, but I suppose the broader point of that is, and I don't know what your take on, on PD is, is and you, you can tell us this. But like, if you're one of those people who's like ethical, uh, and that's your and ethicalist, but that's I need to go expand on that. But like ethical in terms of I don't want PDs in the sport because it gives you an advantage. But you could have that advantage if you snitch on someone and we give you 30 months off. Now, the argument after that is, oh, you're snitching on someone bigger than you. This is a bigger fish and we'd rather catch a big fish than a small fish, which fair enough. But you want to catch all the fishes, don't you? It, this is, it just seems so weird. This, this loophole is there in the USADA system. Well, yeah, and you know what's weird is, like, the, the way that flipping usually works, like, the investigators, like, you know, like the FBI or whatever here, mm-hmm. they don't get they don't just let somebody flip on somebody and like reduce their potential sentence just if they give them some kind of small fish. Like usually you have to give somebody that's a bigger name than yourself. Yeah. So it makes you wonder like who John Jones sent USADA after. Like that's going to be interesting. If we see any kind of big major news story coming out in the next couple of weeks about, I mean, he probably told him that like Daniel Cormier is taking steroids, yeah. which isn't <laughs> true, but you know, it'll cause a little bit of difficulty for Daniel, which I'm sure makes John happy. Yeah. So. 
uh, the thing about this as well is as part of of the whole USADA uh, investigation all John Jones has to continue to do this so he doesn't just snitch once he's to continue to give evidence he has to continue until it's proven correct or until you know the the, the system works out or whatever whatever so this is not John Jones could still be banned for 30 months no he he definitely won't because they're not no, going to do that not. yeah no but i mean and look you know if you thought John Jones had trouble making friends before because nobody mm-hmm. thought he was real I mean, can you imagine? Is there anybody that's gonna want to hang out with this dude now? Mm, I, does he want no. anyone to hang out with him, though? <laughs> he seems that's like true, you know, he seems like that's that true. sort of dude. But I suppose moving on from that, then to what's going to be next for John Jones? What, well, like if you were to predict over the next couple of months, John Jones, Daniel Cormier, Brock Lesnar, what's going to happen with those three guys? I think it's going to be John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson, and I think you're going to see that. I, you know, I, I know that Dana White already said that it's he's not fighting. Madison Square Garden, which leads me to believe that he's probably fighting in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, that joke never gets old. Because no, it's really not so much a joke anymore. It's um, just true, yeah. But it's just true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I talked to Daniel Cormier. I spent time with Daniel Cormier um, in Dallas a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, his focus is... I'll tell you what, one thing that's not happening is he is not going back down to light heavyweight anytime soon. Um, you know, he's he's still prepared. He, he's getting prepared for Brock Lesnar. And I think that fight's probably going to happen in January. Um, Jones, I think, is probably going to be stuck on the outside looking in. He's probably not going to get to fight DC again. Uh, but, you know, DC, it seems like his mindset, t- to me, was I'm going to fight Brock Lesnar and then I'm done. Um, which, you know, good for him, man. The guy can't wait to be retired. His kids are playing football and all these other sports. And, he you know, he just wants to be a dad. Um, and so I, I think you're going to see John... I think it's, I think you're going to see John and Alex Gustafson, and I, I, I I'm not saying it's going to be Madison Square Garden main event or anything like that, but I think you'll see that before the end of this year, most likely. I I, I cannot see uh, Daniel Cormier retiring without fighting John Jones again. I really can't. I ah. Uh, I can see man. The I, man just he the man wants to retire, dude. The man, they all want to mentally. retire. They all yeah, but there. he's got. He, this is different than uh, Daniel Cormier is different because I mean he is a notorious cheapskate. He doesn't spend his money. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't. He's been in competition for his entire life. He doesn't need it anymore. He really just wants. I mean, his exact words to me where he just you know I just want to watch my kids play. That's it. That's all he wants to do. But will that so. John? Will that like the opportunity to fight John Jones is there again? It's it's right in front of him now, and you know many people probably thought it'd never be there again after he got beat twice badly by him. But it's there again. Like, will that not call with him? Like, will Daniel Cormier? Okay, he retires, and two or three months later, he's thinking, "How long can I wait before I come back and fight John Jones?" Like, will this? Yeah. When I'm sixty no, years I mean, old, sure, will I regret this? No, I'll, I'll tell you what he's thinking is because we talked about this. Is he, you know he's thinking like, what if I do come? What if I do fight John Jones again, and then immediately, you know, I lose the fight, and then immediately after he fails for steroids again. Like, then we're just right back here where we started again. I think he's at peace with the idea that. You know, he fought this guy, and the guy was cheating or whatever, and, and so he's moving on. Mm, I'd be skeptical. I'd be very, very, <laughs> I'd be very skeptical. Yeah, but I suppose we see. What about Brock Lesnar then? You know, he's he came back to WWE last week. No one was really expecting it. He's going to be out in, uh, is it Saudi Arabia or Australia? Or is it, I think yeah, it's Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah. It'll be in Saudi Arabia. I mean, dude, anybody who really follows WWE closely was not surprised by that. Because, I mean, the, the Saudi Arabia shows are, I think, they get paid $45 million a show mm-hmm. by the government there. Um, and so it makes it the most lucrative show on the show. I mean, dude, they've got Shawn Michaels coming back yeah. to wrestle for the first time in a decade. You know, like that's on a Saudi Arabia show. Like that's it's weird. Uh, but but Brock, you know, the one thing, I don't know if you, you saw Brock come back, but the one thing that I noticed as soon as he came out is that man has gotten skinny. Smaller, well, yeah. skinnier. He looks, like, he looks like Graham going around the bus. <laughs> yeah, right. Is Graham okay? Does he need that's... an interview? Like we need to, we need to feed that guy forcefully or something. Yeah, he's just eating kale and fucking drinking shakes. That's all he's doing all what the time. Happened the, what happened? What happened to the grand that I knew? Like that loved hamburgers and shit like that. Yeah, like he's dead. <sighs> he li- he lives on plants alone. The grand. It's <laughs> the worst, dude. He looks like he lives on plants. Like he does. Looks like he's down to like ninety eight pounds, man. We need to get some. Maybe some, maybe his uh, maybe his diverticulitis. You never know. Maybe he's had to, to change over yeah. to a, a plant based diet only. You never know about him. But what, what about well, yeah? So yeah, Brock. Brock is a lot smaller, man. You can tell that he's training for a fight. He's getting down. I mean, I you know I think he's his plan is to get down to about two seventy five and then cut from there, as opposed to cutting from three hundred pounds. Um, so that's good. You're right. I have two questions on this. Right, which is the bigger fight, Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Cormier or Brock Lesnar versus John Jones? Bigger money fight. 
God. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar and John Jones, most likely. And what does Brock Lesnar more, love more than anything in his life? I mean, he loves money and yeah. he hates people. Yes, exactly. So, which, you know, that Daniel Cormier fight isn't signed yet. Could it be? Yeah, could he, could he jump him and take the John Jones fight instead? Well, you know, it might actually. It might. If you think about the heavyweight title being involved, it might be the Daniel Cormier fight. Mm-hmm. Um, does Brock, Brock actually Brock care? The heavyweight title. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I think Brock cares to the extent that, you know, his fight being built for the heavyweight title will be a bigger opportunity for money. I think he only cares to that point. I, I don't think he, I mean, well, actually, you know what? I mean, the reason he never went to Bellator when Scott Coker was offering him all that, you know, shitloads of money mm-hmm. a couple years ago was because he wants to be in the best organization to fight the best fighters on the planet. So maybe he does care. Like, if he just cared about money, he could have gone to Bellator and we could have gotten the, you know, Kimbo Slice, Brock Lesnar fight, oh, which would have been epic, amazing. Hold on, this he would have been the best fight. He wants to be in the best organization to fight the best fighters in the world. He wants to be in New Japan Pro Wrestling. What? Exactly. That's a <laughs> that's a deep cut of a joke right there. Yeah, it is a deep cut. Kenny Omega versus Brock Lesnar. Let's make it happen. Okada versus Brock yeah. Lesnar. Let's make it. Happen. He was there before, wasn't he? He was the he was the he was he was the champion. He was him. So. There, I've, I've been listening to enough Wrestling Observer Radio now to, to, to know a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Yeah, we just we just alienated like three of the four listeners of this shit. Exactly, exactly. All right, let's move on to last night's card. And you stayed up and watched it. I unfortunately fell asleep. I can't believe it. I, I missed it. But what did you think overall of this card? Well, so here, let's let the people in on a little backstory. Yesterday, you and I were talking about doing this podcast. Yes. And, um, you know, going back and forth on my wage demand, how much you have to pay me to do it. And and then you you mentioned, okay, well, uh, we'll talk about the fights tonight. And I was like, what? There's fights tonight? <laughs> I legitimately I legitimately had no idea that there was any, any fight card tonight uh, or last night. But I, you know, time, time came for it to start and I was bored. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to sound like an idiot tomorrow because I know Sean's going to watch this. Um, I mean, a, a bigger idiot than yeah. I would already not sound like automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I watched the whole card. I did not watch the first couple of prelim fights, uh, but I watched, you know, everything that was televised, and um, which is kind of impressive, man. Like, yeah. I, I haven't done that. For me, I give myself kudos for that. Yeah, and you- honestly... I had a good time. It, it was, was a fun yeah, part. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it was all right. It, 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 the thing about it was that there was no crescendo at the end. That was the thing about it. That was kind of why I fell asleep as well. You know, I, yeah. I, I was most looking forward for Francisco Trinaldo versus Evan Dunham, to be honest. I did, thought that probably could have been the main event. Now, the main event turned out to be... Uh, it, was a, it was a good fight. I wouldn't say it was the best fight in the world, but... there was, You know, and what stood out to you? What, which fight stood out to you? Which fight or which story stood out to you in this card? I really... So, the first fight I think that I saw was... Uh, Talos latest win in his, you know, his final career fight. There's a lot of retiring dudes on this card, by the way. That's good because um, I missed that fight. Tell us what happened in that. Was, did he? Did he yeah, win? Yeah, it was a good fight. Yeah, he did. He actually did. He actually mm-hmm. won the fight, which is impressive. And like, I just it makes me think about what in the fuck happened to Hector Lombard from Bellator. Yes, I, I like. I mean, I mean, I think the easiest, like the snarkiest thing to assume is that he w- wasn't able to take as many drugs as he used to. Mm-hmm. But like, God, he. I mean, he was a he was a dominator in Bellator, he's, and then he came to the UFC, yeah. and he's been absolutely terrible. He still looks jacked as fuck, though. Like usually, these he guys. Is jacked as fuck. Yeah, I, so I don't. I, I don't muscle. think it's that. It, yeah, it is. It's but maybe it's just he's gotten a little bit older. Maybe it's the competition. Well, it's de- definitely the competition is a little bit harder. But maybe it's just yeah. money. He got more money as well. I don't know. And it, people say the same about him and Bro. But I think that I, I really it really annoys me when people say you sad about him and Bro because. I, I don't think it's Usada. I think it's TJ Dillashaw. Like, that can happen yeah. to you. Guys can yeah. beat you down so badly. And it happened to him you twice against TJ. You never recover. Never. And I really yeah, think he, that's it. He's, he's and a, he hasn't recovered. And, and he, uh, you know, Burrell, it, it was gun shy. And I mean, look, he was, he was, um, what was it, Eric, and, what was his name? No, that was Andrew Ewell. Anyway. Andre Ewell. Yeah, close enough. Mm-hmm. Close enough. Anyway, he was, he was, uh, he was a better fighter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't call him a highly touted prospect or anything, but I mean, he was, he, you know, he definitely had Burrell's number and you can tell that that's the kind of, that's the kind of matchmaking that the UFC loves to do is take these guys who used to have something who used to be a champion and who still have a little bit of name value and then essentially put somebody over them who was mm-hmm. on the way up. And that's what happened last night to Burrell. I mean, he was just, he was out he was way slower and 
and he he was just gun shy, and, and you know, and the old Hannah Burrell was not gun shy, man. And yeah. I think you're right. I think that is TJ. I think that's TJ Dillashaw's mark that he left on him. He's only won two fights since TJ since TJ Dillashaw beat him in 2014. Mitch Gagnon and Philip and Philip Nover. He's lost to Dillashaw again. Lost to Jeremy Stevens, Aljamain Sterling, Brian Keller, and last night, all good fighters to be honest, but. As yeah. you said, all good fighters that you kind of want to put over and that you want to kind of yeah. use Hinn and Burrell's name off of. Do you, do you think they keep you doing that? When, yeah, I think they do. Do you remember? No, nah, he won't go to Bellator yet. They'll put him over. You know, they'll give him at least one more fight. Although, missing weight by six pounds uh, isn't really a good look. But yeah, I just wanted to click aside. You mentioned Felipe Nover. Do you remember mm-hmm. when Dana White said he was Anderson the Silva? Anderson Silva? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. I just... That never gets old. I mean, I know it was like 11 years ago, but that just never gets never. old. Never. It, it, so. it always happens though, to guys like that. Like, remember when Yaya Rodriguez came in and this Joe Rogan was like, <laughs> yes. this is the next Fedor, uh, Anderson Silva, yeah. and GSP mixed together. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> right. I like Yaya Rodriguez. He's a good fighter. But like, they gave him Frank Yeager. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is not going in well. <laughs> in well probably. I was yeah, like, no. maybe Yaya will kick the head off him. Maybe he'll be able to stand back. And I was like, okay, he's a good chance of doing that. And he was like, he was taking that one. It's like, yeah, no. It's yeah. <laughs> not, that's not, would happen like let's just now let's now back but i I, you know i mean the funniest thing was dana saying he was essentially he went from calling him the next anderson silva to six months later calling him the male nurse he wouldn't even call him by his name he just called him the male nurse which is one of my favorite things ever if we need that dana white back remember uh remember that lobster dude in tough as well he went to the house and called him you're a fucking idiot too remember they were breaking like dana has become like He's become corporate enough to where it's kind of boring, but he's yeah. still an asshole. And yeah. so, but like, we need that funny Dana back who like, he used to have to, you know, send out apologies because he would say things that were truly offensive to, mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. Or at least it was interesting. <laughs> now all he does is just lie to everybody about everything. And another little aside here. Did you know that we are five episodes into the latest season of The Ultimate Fighter? I'm going to be honest, I didn't even know there was a new season of the Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> and you know me now, I'm very in touch with Who things. are the coaches? Uh, <laughs> Kelvin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker, I believe. I haven't watched oh, the second of it. That's uh, going to draw a buy rate. <laughs> I, I genuinely did not know until last week <laughs> that this was happening four episodes in. And I'm, I usually I say, oh, it's Ultimate Fighter, I'm joking and stuff. I literally did not know it was on until four, a month in. I didn't know. Who the fuck? What weight class is it? There's, I think it's, I think it's heavyweight and oh, 145 yeah, on women be, or something. That'll be a yeah. good one. <laughs> that will be. Yeah, just they take all the best heavyweights, you know, and put them on Dana White's contender series, especially yeah. if they have domestic violence in the uh, Exactly. Yeah, he's fighting as well. Actually, coming up, we, we the last time you were on, I think actually you caught a promo on him, so we might leave him alone this time, but. Right, how, how, how long do you think before he'll be in the UFC? How many more fights? One or two? I can't believe he's already not in. Me there. too. I mean, yeah. Like, I feel like uh, you know. <clears throat> I feel like this is a PR um, measure before they need it. Needed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, without, but without the apology. Yeah, that, that that's, it's an apology yeah. tour without the apology. Like that's that's exactly what it is. Like yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those things where they put him on there in the hopes that we'll all forget about the fact that he beat a woman half to death. Um, you know, and she was afraid he was going to kill her. Uh, and instead, focus on the fact that he is killing dudes in the in the parking lot, which he is. Look, man, like if it were if he did not have that pass, I would be excited to watch this guy fight because mm-hmm. he's terrifying. He is. Uh, but you know, he has the pass; yeah. it can't be forgotten. He definitely is. Like, and moving this on to the main event from last night, we talked about a couple of the undercard fights after. You know, we look at him and we look at other American footballers, and obviously they're unbelievable athletes. And he was a huge, high level guy. And Eric Anders was a good a good player in college, I believe. I hear people uh, talking about him, but like. Athleticism will get you really far in MMA. I don't. I, I don't think Eric Anders is that top level athlete that we no. see a lot of these guys, especially. Um What's his name? Greg Hardy uh, is yeah. last night just and, and I feel bad talking about this because he came in on short notice. He got he got tired near the end and all. But I thought like if if someone had the elite athleticism or a little bit more than what <laughs> Eric Anders Ender, uh, Eric Anders had last night, easy for me to say. I think they could have beaten Thiago Santos. I think you know when he got inside and when he drug him to the floor and when he laid on top of him, Santos, you know it wasn't that he looked out of his depth, but he looked in trouble. You know he he he. he what what Santos wants, and I think they mentioned on commentary, is space. We talked about it last week when he was supposed to fight Jimmy Manoan. It's kind of the same situation uh, for for Santos. He wants space. He wants to be far out. He wants to throw those switch kicks, you know, from distance. He, you know, he wants to come in like with the flying knee, like he he did to to stop the fight. Um, 
and Anders did that a bit, but it it just it wasn't there enough. He is one of those guys in that you know he could be a top ten, top fifteen guy, but I don't think he's going to push on any further. Yeah, I mean, look on the athleticism front, like there, there's a big difference between Eric Anders, who was a linebacker for Alabama, and you know, I mean, essentially started every game his senior senior season, but before that, didn't really play all that much. Uh, you know, and I think he was. I don't think he was drafted. I think he signed as a, like a free agent for the Cleveland Browns practice team, which is probably the saddest phrase I've ever uttered out loud. Mm. Cleveland Browns practice team. Um, that's an American football joke for you. Uh-huh. Um, but, it, you know, it, there's a difference between that and a guy like Greg Hardy, right, who was a, a top pick in the draft who played in the NFL before he just couldn't stop beating women. Um, you know, it, 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 I think you're right. I think anybody with, you know, a little bit more athleticism, a little bit more of a more well-rounded game probably would have beaten Tiago Santos because he was right. For the, I mean, it seemed like mentally he was not where he usually is. I think maybe losing Manoa as an opponent, Mm-hmm. You know, kind of threw him off his game, and now, but I mean, you know, after the fact, he's or after the fight, he kind of quickly circled back to wanting to fight Mano next. Whereas a lot of guys would go, you know, oh, that fight's over. He didn't show up. You know, whatever. Blah blah. blah. I'm gonna, I'm moving on. He's actually moving back to the original opponent, which you know, um, I, I like that fight. I Me still want to see that fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, honestly, I turned on the show last night thinking that that was still the fight. I didn't realize that that. Mental had fallen out. I guess I read an old story or something. So I was greatly disappointed when it said Santos versus Anders. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, that's and, not why I'm watching that. I got suckered into watching this. It, but, turned, it turned out a little bit disappointed as well because it felt like a fight yeah. that was only put together like three days ago as well. Because, it, you did. know, they were, they were kind it's of like, just... here's this guy. Here's these two guys at the gym. Fight each other. You guys go ahead and fight each other right <laughs> yeah, now. Exactly. Like, that's what it felt like. What What did you think of the... Well, I, it was a stoppage, but it was at the end of the round, I suppose. Um, Tiago Santos was blistering McGregor elbows right into his head. To me, at one stage, you kind of like separated him, didn't put him back together, and Andrew's like falling into him. And I was like, why is this fight still going on? Then he hit him with three right. or four more. And then eventually Goddard came in and stopped it. It was it was very unsettling, wasn't it? The way Andrews kind of fell yeah. and then fell again. Yeah, Mark, to be honest, Mark Goddard did not have a good night last night. And yeah. I, I think he's one of the best referees in the sport. Me too. But he was not. He was not on his game last night. Uh, there was one fight. What was it? The, um, the Smiling Sam Alvey fight. I think that was probably stopped a little bit early, even though, I mean, I'm fine with it. Like, I wasn't upset, but I was like, I mean, he had a single leg. He was going for a takedown. It wasn't one of those weird takedowns where he, he didn't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here, like, he just kind of let it go on a little bit too long. And, uh, you know, for me, like, after I see a couple elbows, like the one Seattle Santos landed, I'm like, just stop the fucking yeah. fight. Like, I, don't need, I don't need to see any more of this. Mm-hmm. 100%. So. The, the Sam Alvey fight for me, I I thought it was just weirdly timed. I thought if he'd stopped it like two seconds earlier, it would have been fine. I'm, I was still okay with it, but I can definitely see where, what you're you're saying. When you when you fall like that, when you fall like, you know, Rashad Evans against uh, Leona Machida, and you're, I know yeah. he, he wasn't as out as that, but it, you know, it looks so bad, and to, to stop it at that, I wouldn't criticize him because he looked in, in bad pain, but yeah. he Right, he, but he waited. He did like, wait. He, he let him yeah. take a few shots on that position. You know, I mean, that that's and he. I mean, those shots that he took kind of, I guess, woke him up, and you know, he, he was going for it. Um, and, you know, and again, like I said, I, I don't really have, I don't have a problem with it. Like I'm always mm-hmm. on the side of let's stop the fight early. Yeah. Uh, but it just for Mark Goddard, it was just a little bit jarring because he's usually right on the money. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Let me run through a few of these uh, fights. Alex Oliveira had a good knockout win over Carl Petrosoli. Caught a caught a leg. Blasted him and put him down and hit him with a lot of shots on the ground. Finished him. Francisco Trinaldo, beautiful uh, knee up the middle of of Evan Dunham. Lovely, uh, a lovely oh, yeah, win there. That one made well. me almost. Sh- that one made me almost shoot my pants watching at home. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a rotten one, a stabbing blow. Augusta Sakai against Chase Sherman was a fucking heavyweight slap fest as we as we love. Sergio Moraes again as well against Ben Saunders. A uh, very good arm triangle, kind of dominated Ben Saunders on the ground. And uh, Z- uh, Zaleski Dos Santos, this guy looks like a real prospect. I think he's won five in a row now. Good. He yep. looks really good. And uh, Hinata Souza as well against Alex Chambers was uh, was a good fight and a good a good win for her. Right, let's let's move on here. Before we get to, to Bellator, we'd obviously... Uh, and you probably uh, I forgot to mention that to you So, but there's a good Bellator car coming next week and we'll talk about that in a second Kid Yamamoto passed away during the week uh, I, he was a guy who was kind of uh, by the time I had gotten into like the internet and MMA and everything outside of the UFC he was kind of had moved past his prime by then I suppose you are there a little bit before me and you are there during his prime and, and watching it and seeing it 
and I've obviously gone back and watched these fights as well, but this guy was, he was really good, he was really big, he was, this guy was kind of before his time, wasn't he? He was just an amazing fighter and an amazing personality in Japan. Yeah, he really was. I mean, <clears throat> before Yoshihiro Akiyama came along and kind of became like the big star over there, he, I mean, he gave his kid Yamamoto. I mean, his fights were a happening. They were a big deal. I mean, they were the fights that you would uh, like, oh, kid, you're on motor fight. Like, I'm going to stay up in the middle of the night and I'm going to watch this fight here in America. Like, you always wanted to make sure uh, that you caught a fight because it, he was he was so skilled and he was so exciting. And then, yeah, and, and unfortunately, you know, the bad thing is, is like most people who know of Kid Yamamoto these days know of him, <clears throat> excuse me, from the UFC because, I mean, by the, by the time that he got to the UFC, he was already – he was already past the downward slide, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been better if he'd you know, come to the UFC four or five years earlier. And that's unfortunate because he really was not just a good, I mean, not just a great fighter. He was a great fighter for a time, but he was also a really good, solid human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's quite a loss, man. Like, and God, it came so suddenly too. Like we just found out he had cancer last month, not even a month ago. And mm-hmm. he's already gone. And, uh, yeah, this one hit me pretty hard, man. It was pretty sad. I, I was listening. And, you know, it, it, it was a rough week, man, because we had Kid Yamamoto and then Glenn Robinson passing away. Yeah. Who, um, I, I can tell you now was one of my earliest and best sources uh, for reporting news back, you know, a decade ago. Um, he was he was a good man who looked out for his fighters in a way that managers just don't. He wasn't in this for the money. Glenn was not in this sport for the money. He didn't. He barely took any any money from his guys he put them up he paid them salaries to work jobs for his companies mm-hmm. um he just loved the sport he loved the athletes and he wanted to be around it he, and was, he was rich so he was able to do that he was one of those guys as well that you know in, uh, it's south florida is you already had the black zillions and all that area is kind of a hotbed now for mma and he's one of the guys isn't he that's kind of to thank yeah. for that you know and yeah i mean it's it's him and and, and the guys over at att dan lambert i mean that's, that's mm-hmm. essentially their feud i mean and you know don't count the ultimate fighter that stupid season they had yeah. the ultimate fighter where it was the teams versus team like that that feud has been a blood feud going on for a long time but like the thing was is like glenn i mean man, glenn was never anything but nice to me and his loss really stunned me this week that that was a, that was a sad one for mm-hmm. me man yeah um so yeah it was a pre- pretty rough week man mm-hmm. 100%. just last thing on kid yamoto and i suppose you know if you're like me and go back and <clears throat> listening to, to different podcasts and talking about it kid yamoto once had a fight a kickboxing fight against masato which had 34 million viewers yeah that that man, is what, dude. insane yeah his his he, he was a staple on those new year's eve shows in japan mm-hmm. when when the the big pro wrestling mma kickboxing shows would take place and i mean yeah like i mean I, I mean, I think that I, I don't know what the share. I think it was like a one of his fights had like a sixty-five share or something, which mm-hmm. means sixty-five percent of all televisions in Japan were tuned in to watch his fight. Like mm-hmm. that to me is crazy. Like mm-hmm. that is that is real drawing power. Yeah, unbelievable. And obviously, uh, condolences to everyone who knew him and his family and everything like that. And, you know, a legend of the sport, obviously. Right. Let's move on to next week's card, which sees. Bellator 206 go to the SAP Center in San Jose, California. And this is a brilliant card, which unfortunately I won't be able to watch. We have Gegard Musassi versus Rory McDonald. We have Quinton, Quinton Rampage Jackson versus Vanderlei Silva. We have Andre Karashkov versus Douglas Lima. We have Leandro Higo versus Aaron Pico. Really, really great card. Let's talk about the main event. Gegard Musassi versus Rory McDonald for the middleweight title. Rory McDonald, the welterweight title. This is something Rory said he wants to do his whole career, isn't it? And this should be... This should be a really fun fight, shouldn't it? Dude, I'm I can't wait for this fight. In terms of styles, like this fight uh, or matchups, in terms of just pure matchups, there's this fight for me, and then there's McGregor and Khabib. Those are the two fights for me this entire year that I'm, I, you know, I look forward to the most, just because of the styles, not because of the stupid press conferences or anything else, just because of what's going to happen when it gets into the cage. And and it takes a lot for me these days to get interested in a fight just because of the fight itself. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm jaded. I've, I've been watching this sport for too long. Um, and, and so I, when I see a fight like this, man, it's really refreshing. Uh, Bellator is doing I mean, the Welterweight Grand Prix. I'm going to love every single second of that. I'm actually perversely excited for Chael Sonnen versus Fedor Milanenko. Me too. Um, I, you wish, know, I wish I could mostly watch it. Because the, yeah, and I, well, dude, come on. I mean, let's be real. You can watch it. But, well, yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, you know. Okay. Um, but, okay. yeah, like I, I'm just excited. I'm excited for that fight. 
I'm excited. I'm excited for all those fights. I, I think the Bills are still doing. They still do some ridiculous things from time to time, but they're tempered with this really good roster of fighters that they're accumulating. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, I mean, dude, Aaron Pico, I could watch that guy melt fuckers with body shots mm. all day long. Beautiful. All day long. Yeah. It's the most beautiful <clears throat> body punches I've seen, dude. Like, and I, I could watch, and it makes the most horrible sound you've ever heard in your life. Um, I, I could watch that all day long. So, yeah, I'm excited about next week's card. I'm excited about the card after that. Um, it's... I, I, I'm excited about the conclusion of this heavyweight Grand Prix. Uh, I'm still waiting for some somebody to get hurt and some you know big name from the UFC to jump over. And maybe Brock Lesnar will be like the final member of the Grand Prix since he hasn't signed with the UFC yet. Well, maybe he'll be. maybe he'll <laughs> leap over and sign with Bellator. I mean, I, it's just it's interesting stuff, man. Yeah, would that would that be exciting? But uh, I suppose in this main event. They're, Musashi and McDonald, they're very, very similar fighters. You know, they like to get behind their jab. They like to throw in combinations. They like to go for takedowns and be heavy on top. Very similar. I suppose the only difference is Mary, maybe Rory McDonald has kind of gone from his wrestling a little bit and gone to be more of a striker. Musashi actually uses his wrestling probably more now and over the last two years maybe than he ever has in his in his uh, career before. I'm just leaning... I'm just leaning Rory in this, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was Musashi at all. I just think I think it'd probably be five rounds. I think it'd be a very uh, a very very good fight. Quinter Rampage Jackson in versus Vanderlei Silva. That'll surely be Rampage. Vanderlei is way over the hill at this stage. Uh, I mean, you think so, but Rampage just found a way to lose some fights that he shouldn't be losing. So. That is true. That is true. No, you know, no, you never no. know. And I, I think I do. I agree with you. I think Rory's probably gonna. I, but I, I think Rory's actually probably gonna dominate Musashi. Honestly, um, I think he's gonna probably because he, dude, he, for one thing, Rory is huge right now. Mm-hmm. Um. I think he's much bigger than Musashi, and I think he's going to have the the width to be able to take him down and kind of just hold him down. Yeah, he's, um, al- he's always been the top. he's always been a huge welterweight as well. I always thought he'd go, go up to middleweight, and I'm surprised this is the first time he's done it. But the Karishkov Lima again, obviously rematch. Karishkov won the first fight. Two of the most skilled guys in the world, especially Karishkov. I think he's he's just really good. He's just really technically brilliant, and I fancy him to win that again. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. And Kerry Melendez is on the card uh, as well. Gilbert Melinda's wife, as we know, she's a she's a good prospect. There. I think she's two or three and all, and something like that now. But uh, yeah, that's a good card. Anyway, looking forward to to watching. I'm going to fly out to Dave and Buster's in Pensacola, Washington, to watch that. So looking forward to, to seeing her. All right, let's move on to some of these questions before I let you go. Thanks, Jeremy, very, Jeremy, very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Okay, Adam over on Patreon. Todd, I recall it being blatantly obvious that Dana had been publicly favoring one of his fighters over another. Uh, Chuck over Tito went uh, so far as to say he'll give uh, Chuck extra money if he knocks him out. I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that UFC won Connor to win, but can't say that nowadays. Do you think Connor and Dana have ever talked about this in private and both acknowledge that fact? Well, I I don't think you need to talk about this, do you? It's obvious that he wants McGregor to win. You know, if, if Habib wins, he'll just Habib will go back to being a guy, you know, defending his belt against the next up and comer for two hundred fifty thousand pay per view buys, like. This isn't something that needs to be pointed out, is it? I don't know, man. And I, I think I, I would disagree. Actually, I would really? think that, like, if I were if I were booking a pro wrestling show, mm-hmm. I would want I would want Khabib go over Connor because you're using that that you know Connor star power uh, to get over a guy who's I mean Khabib's already pretty popular, but he's not that next level of popular that can actually start you know making them a real paper i mean oh, no. he might already be a little bit of a pay per view draw, but yeah. not that next level. You think I, they I want? Think you big, think they want Khabib to be Connor? Dude, if if they so if they beat if Khabib beats Connor, then they have a guy who has beaten Connor McGregor. Mm. Whereas if Connor if Connor wins, then they have a guy who will want to renegotiate his contract again and be an even bigger pain in the ass. But yeah, if, I do think that if Khabib wins, do you not have Holly Holm then? I don't think so. No, I don't think you really have Holly. I don't know. I don't, I don't think don't. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I, it'd be interesting to see. I know. I don't know. We'll, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Keen Keating, if McGregor loses to Khabib, do you think he will actually see out his new contract? Uh, if so, uh, who could your potential opponents be? What, what about this six-fight contract thing? This, and I think Ariel said, and you know anyone who knows anything would probably say, it, this is, it's not worth the paper it's written on, really, is it? It's just kind uh, of... No. Yeah. It's, he's gonna re. It, I mean, if he wins, he's gonna renegotiate. Mm-hmm. If he loses, I mean, I don't, you know, I didn't think he was gonna come back and fight this time. So I certainly don't think he's gonna come back if he loses. He, there's no reason for him to. Um, but yeah, I mean, this contract. It's funny because I mean, was it six fights or eight fights? It doesn't matter what it is because yeah. really, it's a one fight deal. Mm-hmm. All of his fights are one fight deals. He's renegotiated after every single fight. So 
yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they they had called it uh, an eight fight deal at first the ESPN report, but then it was edited and changed to a six fight deal. So I think it's a, I think it's a six fight deal. Sean Dini, can Sean O'Malley turn UFC two to nine to the Sugar Sancho? What what are your thoughts on Sean O'Malley? This guy's exciting. He's he's a funny guy. I I like him. Do you like him? I do, and you know what's funny is I hated him at first. Mm. Um, but the but the more well, I didn't hate him because I don't know Sean O'Malley. I've never talked to him. Um, <clears throat> you know he, he's kind of hit the scene after I've left the scene, but I, you know, I, I but I, so I didn't like, I just didn't like his, his fighting side and like, you know, I mean, I didn't like the whole stoner gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, but now since I've got kind of a stoner gimmick going myself, I've got kind of dig it. Um, and I like his fighting style, man. It's fun to watch. He is fun to watch. He's different. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at, well, I actually saw, I looked at the prelims, you know, the preliminary card for that for next week, uh, or for the, for, you know, see, pay-per-view last night for the first time mm-hmm. and i was like oh sean o'malley like i'm gonna watch that, that even though they're it's stupid to call it a featured prelim like yeah. i'm gonna watch that that's cool mm-hmm. yeah i like him too uh johnny Byrne, what's more cringeworthy tito rts in general or graham's instagram posts oh, oh. god that's a hard one yeah. i'd I, I nearly say graham that one he put up the other day with his girlfriend was like maybe the most embarrassing thing i've ever seen in my life so oh my god that's hard that's difficult man because tito is like I don't know. Actually, I would still give it to Tito, yeah. um, just because I, I, I'd forgotten just how bad is how bad Tito is with words and with English. <laughs> Did you see his uh, he's, his grapes he's and cheese thing? Did you hear that? The grapes and the wine. Yes, and- <laughs> yes I did. Like he is the absolute worst. Like he, every time he talks, I think he's got to be kidding. Right? He's got because I know Tito's smarter than that. It's just like is he? He get he is he actually is smarter than that. But when he gets a microphone in front of him, it's like he goes dumb. I, I don't know, and I it's hard to explain, dude. But like, I love it, man. It I is. mean, I remember that that the first time I ever noticed that Tito was having problems with words, doing anything with words. Uh, I think it was probably 2011, and it's gotten progressively worse than it's been, and it's 2018. Um, so my hope is that he just fights for a couple more years with. Uh, golden boy and we get a lot more interviews with him so yeah yeah i think i i would i would give it to him even though graham's instagram is pretty bad terrible terrible. uh william dugdale say conor mcgregor drops habib during an exchange could you envisage a scenario where habib appeared damaged enough that mcgregor follows him to the ground yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I could say McGregor sure. going on top of him. I, I think it's different with Diaz and other guys when, you know, the jiu-jitsu artists and maybe will take you from your back or whatever. He did it against yeah. Eddie Alvarez. I think he would do it against Habib. You know, maybe. I, I think he'd probably let him up before he do that, but I definitely could see that happening. Uh, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think he has any real fear of any, you know, could be game off his back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's not his strength. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Evan Keeveney do you think the UFC will cut in and bro after that loss yeah we talked about that earlier I, I think they might Jeremy doesn't think so uh, Bigger Nielsen two questions what would happen if Connor or Habib get injured does Ferguson step in or the uh, both take the Ferguson fight if Habib misses away surely the fight still goes on does fighting for the belt even matter at this point yeah it's, it's probably going to be Ferguson isn't it if if one of them gets injured and if they miss weight it's just going to be the belt for McGregor and then it'll be vacant if Habib wins yeah yeah, that's my worst nightmare is the idea of Tony Ferguson stepping in <laughs> for this fight. Like, I might, Sean, I might actually cry. Yeah, me I might too. actually cry if Tony Ferguson gets that. As much as I find Tony Ferguson entertaining, kind of at an arm's distance, like I would, that'd be sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nina Shea here is a long question about Habib being mentally unbreakable, uh, and he asks, "Would you be shocked if Habib turns out to be more Brock Lesnar than Nate Diaz in the in the way that he'll take shots and maybe go down?" rather than taking shots and keep going and come back stronger. Do you think that could be... Like, it could be Habib, because we've never seen that happen to him. You know, he's never lost a round, never lost a fight, although Gleason Thibault did beat him around the place for three rounds, but whatever. Yeah. No, I'd be surprised. I'd because, be surprised, I mean, if you though. hear the guys... You hear the guys he trains with. I mean, Daniel Cormier... I've never heard Daniel Cormier speak of someone... I mean, he Daniel Cormier is the head coach at AKA. He is always about his teammates, always about lifting up and promoting his teammates, but I've never heard him verbally BJ somebody the way that he does to be. <laughs> And there's a reason for that, dude. There's a reason for that. I mean, that, that guy is a monster. Uh, we haven't really seen all the different levels that he has yet because he just hasn't needed to use them. Uh, I honestly, I think we're going to see it in this fight. I think Connor's going to, I think Connor's going to give him a reverse money. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. All right, that's uh, that's all the questions for this week. I'll answer the rest of them, the ones from Twitter and a few from Facebook as well, over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Severe May Podcast. Five or a month, there's going to be loads of stuff, loads of interviews coming uh, in the next week. All right, Jeremy, have you anything to, to pimp out or anything? You've no Twitter or anything anymore where people can follow you. Have you Facebook or any articles coming no twi- I, I have no Twitter, and I write like one story every six weeks uh, <laughs> because Bleacher Report is kind enough to give me to give me time to work on these stories. Um, so I'll have, I do have a couple of stories in the works right now uh, that'll be coming out in late October, early November. So, um, and you know, I mean, I'll be doing my usual excellent post paper you main event column after McGregor and Khabib. So. Turn up in Texas we'll and have a pint that. with you. If, you. if anyone wants to see you, just turn up and have a few pints, a cup of coffee or yeah, something. Yeah, just hit me up, come to Austin. Mm-hmm. We'll drink some beers. That's it. Uh, so we'll be talking to you again anyway next week. Graham is uh, off gallivanting around Las Vegas, talking shy, drinking pints, drinking proper. T- have you tasted proper twelve whiskey yet? Actually, I have not. Actually, um, I I'm curious as to what it tastes like. Me too. It, it, I haven't been able to find it around here yet. It's not on sale. It's supposed to be on sale in Tesco's, but it's not. It's not here yet. So I, I might I might buy a bottle and sample it for the for the fight because a couple of lads are coming over for it. So. That actually sounds like a good time. I might get a bottle and sample it too. Maybe we can like do a show afterwards. Yeah. Where we both where we both had a lot of samples. If I if, if I stay awake for the fight, I'd say that'll be some good. I yeah. I missed the Mayweather fight. Do you know that I got so pissed I just like fell asleep and didn't even see it. But I, I watched it the next morning. I it was think grand. you missed it though. I mean, did you really miss it? Yeah, I did. I didn't like. <laughs> I, I saw bits of it and fell asleep. As Patrick, he was there. I was just absolutely twisted. No, no, no. I believe that you fell asleep and missed it, yeah. but did. You really miss anything? No, I yeah, that was the thing. I like if I did that and missed the Habib and Gregor fight, I'd be going insane. Like I'd be going, mad. but the, I oh, didn't yeah. really care. Like I went back and watched it back, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I knew well, everyone. If you knew. want, I'll call you just randomly that night and just make sure you stay awake. Okay, okay, let's do that. All right, uh, yeah. all right. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for joining me. Thanks to everyone for listening. And before we leave, you go. Here's the inspirational quote for the week. Some people want it to happen. Some people wish it would happen. Others make it happen. We'll see you next Tuesday, or Monday, or probably Sunday.